bringing their problems to me for as long as I can remember. I have one of those faces that just says, tell me what's going on. And now I have one of those podcasts that says, go ahead, tell me what's going on. Welcome to Mess in Progress. Hey guys, and welcome to Mess in Progress with myself, Gina Brion, and my lovely co-host slash everything person, Catherine G. Mendoza. Catherine, say hi to the people. Hello, people. That was beautiful. That was beautiful, Catherine. I'm touched by that. I went for like cool hello people, like the way I did it, like when we first started the podcast. Hello, people. (laughs) That's so funny. Oh, girl, today, today. I opened my door today, first of all, and it was gross, but like yesterday, I went out. Okay, I left my house yesterday. I left to do my maternity photo shoot. Wow. Yes, a friend of mine, uh, his name is Roshizus on uh, Instagram and on Facebook. Yes, I know. I don't know the story behind that. I got to ask him. Um, But he offered to do my maternity shoot and I've done photo shoots with him before and he's really, he's nice with it. And so I was like, cool. So we go out to do the photo shoot. When I tell you I'm sweating in the cab there, like this is how bad it was. I mean, I am drenched. And all I have is like powder and brushes. I don't have a sponge. I don't have anything to like wipe my face. I forgot a brush. My hair started curling. This was a hot mess, right? <laughs> then we're trying to take pictures and people walking by like nothing. Like, you don't see I'm pregnant, son? You don't see? Right. I, I know you can see I'm pregnant. You see, I think maternity shoots are interesting because like the ones that have like the super ridiculous themes are weird. You know, yeah. I do think it's nice. Like the idea, especially for people with their first pregnancy, um, you know, your body looks a certain way and you're just in a certain place. So yeah. I get that. I wonder, like, once you get to baby number four, though, like... Yeah, if you want to do a maternity shoot, you're like, nah, son, just just take some Snapchat pictures of me, son, because I can't... <laughs> I would be like that if I had more than one kid. Like, I'm, not, I'm sorry, y'all not all getting a photo shoot. I'm so I, sorry. I feel like what would be funny is, like, if baby number one has maternity shoot, right? Yeah. Baby has like a makeshift maternity shoot but baby number three is just a whole bunch of pictures of the mom throughout the house just kind of like hey and then just like a random little pose so the kid is like you so you didn't have a photo shoot for me and it's like nah your dad was just like taking pictures and we put it in an album no i stood out on the front porch and i just took some selfies (laughs) what that's not good enough for you like i would not want to set up a photo shoot for more than one kid I, i just wouldn't just after even after just this experience where i'm like First of all, I'm not one to have, like, a lot of fun at photo shoots. Yeah. Because, like, after, like, five to ten minutes, I'm like, yo, my man, how many pictures of my face you need, son? Like, how, realistically speaking, how many different angles are you going to get on my face? Like, Did you do the, like, heart on belly? You know we did. You know we did. You know how corny my husband is. He was... Oh, my God. Did you do the his hand on belly? We did his hand on belly. We did the kissing picture. We did the him hugging me from behind with hands on belly. The prom, the prom pregnancy photo. <laughs> oh, I was just looking at him like the whole time. Like, it's so funny. If you look at the pictures. So when I put these pictures out, when I post these pictures, you're going to see a face that I do in these pictures. Because <laughs> the whole time I'm trying to smile and he, <laughs> I'm looking at him and I'm like, Yo, you mad corny. That's all I kept saying the whole time to my husband. Yo, you mad corny. Son. Can I suggest something right yeah. now? <laughs> Don't just post these pictures. Legit, make it a TikTok video of you doing the audio of what you're. Oh, thinking. I have to. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I have to. <laughs> each picture, each picture is different. What I'm thinking, and I'm like, oh, that's that's a good idea. I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna I'm gonna take them and put them in a little montage for TikTok where I can do the audio because. This whole photo shoot, the whole time, I was like, I was either thinking, yo, I'm hot, son. And then my husband would try to pat, yo, he took his mask to pat my sweat off. But when I my. tell you he pat my, it was like he face palmed me. It was like, he was like, poof, poof, poof. And I was like, my man. Wait, with which part of the mask? The front or the, the back? The outside. I said, yo, you just oh. gave me corona, son. You got corona on my face. Yo, that is the one of those, like, you know he's well-intentioned. Yeah. He really didn't think that out. <laughs> Yo, my man, my man, my man, my man, my man. Back up with your mask right now, son. Um, I feel like I'm so grateful for him, but at the same time, I'm like, 
I, you know what I mean? Because I'm like, I've done stupid shit like outside, like when I've had my mask on and then I mm-hmm. touch it and I go, I wonder if I touched it too much and then touch something else. But that's like a straight Corona, Corona, Corona. I could see it on my face, like them TikTok videos, Corona, 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 it just popped up everywhere. Corona, 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 Corona. Yo, <laughs> I'm telling you, I was, every time he went from my face, I was like, my man. Out of all, the, is that is that the new handkerchief? <laughs> yeah, your mask is the new handkerchief. Like here, take some disease, take some of this disease right here on your forehead. I was like, it's a wrap. Give me a mask. You already gave it to me. I'm just gonna keep patting myself with your mask now because you already gave it to me. You just gave me Corona, son. Thank you so much. Oh my god! And I'm not calling him a child. I'm like, oh god, oh child. Yeah. I I I really feel for him because I know that once you do something like that, and then you because re- did he realize it? Yeah, not literally not until I think uh, not until we got into the cab going home was he like, well, yeah, I probably shouldn't have patched your face for my life. <laughs> and I was like, wait, so he did this on the cab going? He did no, he did this during the photo shoot. Like he was like, you're sweating a lot, and just automatically took his mask out. He was like, you don't have anything to blot it, and I'm like, no, son, what do you think? I'm a grown up, prepared for life. Did and you take any mask maternity photos? No, we didn't. Yo, Everybody's gonna, I'm gonna get arrested because they're gonna think I'm putting my child at da- in danger. No. <laughs> they see my photo shoot and they're gonna be like, she doesn't care about her baby. But also because it's like, it's, I'm, I'm, I'm over here about to say, it's a once in a lifetime moment. But I'm also like, it's not the best thing to once in a lifetime, but like, yeah. this is something, you know, if you have a second child, hopefully Corona's gone. Yeah. We don't have to be wearing masks all the time. So the first child has pictures of when mommy and daddy had to wear masks. Oh, Jenna would have had a fit. Jenna did my makeup. Jenna would have had a fit if I took a picture with a mask on. She'd have been like, are you serious right now? (laughs) I did highlight. (laughs) No, she wasn't there. Otherwise, I would have been better. She would have been prepared to like clean my face up a little something, something. But I was just there sweating everywhere because it was so hot. I, I, like, I haven't, I went outside, today is Friday, folks, and I haven't been outside since Monday, and I don't know if it's hotter inside or outside. I have a feeling it's hotter inside. I think my house has humidity, Mm -hmm. but I know outside is hot. Like, I know it is. I just just opened my door to get a package, and a wave of humidity just right in the face. I was like, oh. Humidity? You want to know why humidity is disrespectful? Because Besides my hair, continue. Right, but because humidity is literally like the earth breathing on you, hot ass air. Like, hot ass earth breath. Yeah, like, the- yo, get your earth breath out oh. my face. Yo. I want your earth breath in my face. Yo, dead ass. I feel like the earth has many disrespectful qualities. We're not going to front, like great qualities too. But mother earth. Has the Mother world. Earth. Her most, one of her most disrespectful qualities is humidity. Because mm-hmm. that is breath. Like yeah. straight breathing on you. Like, how <sighs> you doing today? <laughs> I'm sweating, ho. That's how I'm doing. I am sweating <laughs> because you're breathing your hot earth air in my face. On humidity. Is that how Mother Earth talks on humid days? Yes. <sighs> how you doing? And if she's in Spanish, she's like, bueno. (laughs) (laughs) Como estas? (laughs) Like, that's how she talks. So she could breathe that hot air in your face and have your hair all shriveled. And and if it's not that, like, when I went to the doctor the day before the photo shoot, which had me worried, there was, like, it was raining on and off. Yeah. And I was like, yo, my mans, if it rains during this photo shoot, I'm going to be so tight. But... You were sweating, so it could have been a theme. Catherine, don't you try to silver lining this. I would have totally, because I would be mad, don't get me wrong. I would be mad because it's like, okay, I wasted this makeup. I'm about to get soaked in the rain. Now I got to walk in the rain. Now I got to get in a car in the rain. And I would have been so tight. But I would have been like, yo, we still doing this though. Like rain and all, just like all upset. Early 2000s Usher music video. Like, yeah. Yeah, I would have had him play uh, Burn, Let It Burn, while, yeah. I, while I kick water up with my little pregnant lady feet. <laughs> I think that you should. <laughs> Yo, 
No. <laughs> I would have, what I would have done is told the photographer, put the, put the um, settings on video and done a, a spin. Yeah, a spin in the rain. <laughs> could have done, done a couple of those. I could have done the Missy Elliott video. I think there's a Sierra video with rain in there. We could have had a couple of themes. Like, yo, rain was big for a lot of music videos. Rain was a symbol of, like, emotion. You yeah, know it's like either sad emotion or some sort of powerful kind of emotion of like dance. Even isn't it in that um Lady Gaga video with Ariana, the recent one? Rain on me is the name of the song. Yeah, yeah. I feel like, and this is something I wonder. I wonder if in the early two thousands, the creative directors and the directors of music videos were water signs, because I'm like, that is a very water sign thing to do. So you know, to go. They're like, so we have a song, it's called Burn. And they're like, I understand, fire. But how about this? How about this? Whoa. How about water instead? <laughs> what did a fire sign do to you that we couldn't be featured in the videos that clearly called for fire? Huh? Huh? What have we done? <laughs> so it's water, water, water. <laughs> and I'm also, I'm over here like, it's always astrology with me. I always bring it. Yeah. You're always like, I wonder if it was a water sign. <laughs> or was it somebody the other day at that at that live show I did when I did my first ever live show in front of an audience? Um, one girl was trying to guess uh, somebody's sign and she got it wrong. Oh. And that's always like so. It's like wah, wah, wah. she got it wrong and she just kept trying. Uh-huh. And the guy was one of those like skeptics, so of course that just kind of like made him that. right in the situation. Yeah. Where he was like, yeah, I'm, I'm totally going to believe in that stuff now when you guessed my sign wrong. He's right. like, maybe if you would have gotten it right. And I'm like, I've only ever guessed one person's sign and I got it right. And I guessed it based on his facial features. Because mm. he looked similar to a Gemini friend of mine. And I said, are you a Gemini? And he went, yeah. And I was like, yeah, he looked almost identical to this dude. That's why I was like, like maybe. Friends or like actual physical? Both. <laughs> His physical, his physical was like my friend's physical. <laughs> his expressions and his physical. That is now the only way we say that word. Physical fitness. <laughs> I'm gonna get some physical fitness. <laughs> that is gonna stay forever, Catherine. We need a dictionary of Catherine terms. Wait, like I'm just going to the doctors to get my annual physical. <laughs> I'm gonna go get a physical. Talk to my doctor about my physical. Uh, what you got to do for a physical? <laughs> oh, that's my favorite. Oh, that's my new favorite Catherine word. Well, let's get ready to admit our guest in here. Speaking of making everything about astrology, um, let me see if I can let her in. Can I let you in somehow? Okay, I found it. <laughs> somehow I needed to let her in. Okay, uh, I'm going to let our guest in, and then I will tell you guys a little bit about our wonderful guest. Hi, gals. Oh, hi. And we'd like to introduce author, speaker, uh, mediator, psychologist, astrologer, and author of the best-selling book, Use Your Planet Wisely, Dr. Jennifer Freed. And everybody goes crazy. Zoom applause. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. It's so good to see you. How are you? Well, I feel fantastic today because it's gorgeous here, and I've had the day off other than this show. So for me, it's a really special day. Fantastic. Well, we feel very honored to have you on. I know you just spoke to Kat the other day, so you know my girl Kat. Kat and Jen met. I met Jen. Jen's amazing, so we had her on the show. Uh, (laughs) And we have, so we have this thing we do where we do three rapid fire questions. So we'll shoot those at you first. Okay. And uh, and then we'll move on to everything else. But here are your three rapid fire questions. Where are you from? What is your sun sign? How did you begin your career as a psychological astrologer? Originally, I'm from New York City, and I just want to give a shout out to the Bronx because my dad was born there. (laughs) I moved to California when I was young, and I am an Aquarius with a Taurus moon and a Sag rising, just for those of you that are in the know. And I started my career as a psychological astrologer when I was about 18 and a half, and I met a woman named Alvina Manning. 
and I had a profound reading from her and I'd always been interested in astrology, but from that day on, I was just a fervent student of astrology and then led from there. Fantastic. That's awesome. Like eight, I feel like 18 is, is, cause I started really being interested most recently, but I feel like I was always, you know, like in Latino culture, we have Walter Mercado, but it was always sun sign based. And it's yeah. very interesting how like, um, Walter, um, that whole thing was uh, about like fortune selling. So for so long, that's what I thought it was because that's culturally how it was packaged. So in the last year, I feel like I've like been reintroduced for the last few years um, to like what it actually is. Yeah, so it's not, it's so much deeper than the sun sign and it's not fortune telling, it's people sharing. It's like getting to really understand what makes us tick and how we can make the best use of our talents and also our obstacles, because life is about learning, as we all know on this show. I think what always baffled me is that people don't understand that there's a science behind it, and they don't look at it like they do when somebody breaks down your personality. When somebody gives you a personality profile, it feels, to me, very similar to an astrological profile. And people never look at it like that, and I'm like, I don't see a difference between the two. One you look at as more science than the other, but it's, it's very science-based. So maybe you can tell us a little bit about what is a psychological astrologer and what is the science that made you want to practice as an astrologist? Excellent. Well, a psychological astrologer is somebody that's combined studies and certification in psychology with certification in astrology. So my trajectory is starting at 18, I was in school studying to be a psychologist and I was studying to be an astrologer. Now, way back when, because I'm ancient, uh, nobody believed in astrology. <laughs> I was like the crazy on the fringe person. But I kept at both things very seriously. And finally, after 10 or 12 years of studying both, and eventually I got my PhD in psychology, and I got internationally certified as an astrologer with ISAR, which is a very reputable astrology organization. Then I started teaching psychotherapists about how to use astrology and this is the difference with psychology you're working with people and they're coming in with their problems and you're trying to understand the context in which those problems arise are they familial are they cultural there's many things you're looking at but you've studied patterns of problem solving and that's what you do in psychology and you learn how to interact with people and ask the right questions and if you go this route, you make diagnoses and treatment plans and all the rest of that. If you're really good at astrology, you're doing what I call the cosmic DNA. You're looking at what did we come in with as traits and possibilities and certain complexes as well. What are the hard things we're gonna have to deal with internally, which then we all know becomes an outside problem. So astrology with psychology for me is the single best tool because I know how to talk to people. I know how to host intense pain. I know how to deal with lots of different socio-cultural issues. But at the same time, I can tell people, this is short-term, this is long-term, this is how you can work with it. This is kind of what you're made of, so let's make the best of it instead of pathologizing it. And my favorite part of astrology, because I'm an anti-racist, progressive everything, is it's the only meaning system I know that's not sexist, not racist, not homophobic. It's got nothing on who you should be. And I love that. So that really fit me early on because I'm queer, I'm weird, I'm everything. And, you know, it just, I never felt like anything understood me. So. Wow. What a beautiful way to put that. That's, and I love the way that you worded all of that because I think even the most skeptical person would sit through that explanation and be like oh okay i think i can i can possibly see how this works now yeah yeah definitely i um you know me and gina have talked about this on many episodes but for me i i love that both of them are when i talk about nature versus nurture and i and i always say the way i look at astrology is nature like like how we came to this planet right like where we were where the planet was and where everything was when we landed here and then nurture is more of the psychological stuff what happened to us so the inner stuff they both are versions of us and you have to understand how both of them make you like where you are standing right now and i tell, I tell people unless you 
right? You can do the psychology part, but if you don't understand fundamentally who you were when you landed here, um, you're gonna, it's gonna take longer. I don't know, that's how I've just like taken an approach at it. And skeptics, whenever I meet people who are skeptical, it, it's just that for me, it's when they go, I guess I can see that, cool. That's all I want it. I want to think, I guess. I don't want yeah. to convince you. I just want the, the, the don't argue me on this because yeah. it makes sense. Um, uh, we did have a question. Um, with astrology being like popular in social media, you know, I think that like, it's, I don't want to say it's been watered down, but it has been uh, mainstreamed, right? So it's like, I think there's degrees to it. So on TikTok, there's like videos that are like, um, for people who understand um, the main three and like your Mercury, your this or that. So they use it for comedy. They'll go like, people with this Mercury are like this. But then there's people on Instagram and Twitter who consider themselves um, astrologists, but it's knowing that difference between the ones who are literally in the practice and have actually done the study and then the ones who are just kind of doing it as a brand. Um, so how do you feel about that? Like just what it's become, like what's become of it? Well, I feel two ways. I think it's fabulous from my track with this that so many people are open to astrology. So that's what the mainstream has done. Now it, those borders of mysticism are open and people are curious and I love that curiosity. And then sometimes a lot of my work has been cleaning up bad readings from other people because the last thing we want to do is box people in, stereotype them, limit them with any kind of consultation. And amateur astrologers that haven't done the work, nor have they done the work on themselves, are replicating the power systems that oppress people because the way they do it is, I know you don't. Mm. And that's never a good scene. Like what I say, and you both know, because I've done readings with you, you know you're the expert on you. I'm a facilitator. Anything that I say or suggest that doesn't fit your truth of yourself is wrong. But I've seen people give readings, and I've even trained people that you know didn't pass my class, that are in it to be the knowers and the oppressors. Nailed you! Mm -hmm. And also they say awful things to people. So it's a mixed bag. It's like, I'm so happy it's so popular and people are so curious and open. And then like anything that gets wildly famous, there's a shadow side. Mm. Yeah. Um, well, how do you feel about like daily astrology? Well, again, I, you know, it, that's just the sun sign. And it's like saying, I know Gina by the color of her lipstick. It's very <laughs> superficial. What are you wearing, Jean? It's a little orangey tinty. I don't know what it is. But it doesn't say anything about her. It's a little piece of her. And so in a way, that daily astrology is a little bit misleading because it only says one part of us. Yeah. On the other hand, it's the way this whole thing became very magnetic and attractive is that people started looking at that. So I think in the end, the consumer has to constantly constantly be wondering who's writing this who's saying this and and what do what do they have to show for it like what's their life like what are they contributing to the planet you know i know for me astrology has always been completely parallel with my path as a social activist and i really don't see them as different so i love making money from astrology and i do but i also founded this nonprofit and that work is the closest thing to my heart. And so I think if you have a divine understanding of our purposes on the planet, none of them are selfish, none of them. And I think some astrologers forget that and they just want people to be dependent on them. And I don't. Wow. I love that. I love that because you are right. I think that's how it became popularized was having it in these newspapers and you'd look it up. It became such a regular thing in society. Um, speaking along the lines of everything you just spoke about, what are some common myths that you would like to debunk for people about astrology? Thank you, Gina. Well, one is, I always get this question. I'm an Aries. Does that mean I'm not compatible with a Taurus? No. <laughs> the, you know, all the compa <laughs> compatibility questions are wrong. Okay. We're way more complex than that. 
You can't boil people down to their sun signs and decide who's going to go with who. That's crap. Also, no one has a bad chart. No one. Everyone got the chart that they needed to fulfill on whatever their lesson plan for their soul is this lifetime. So there's no hierarchy of charts. And that's mm. another thing I'd like to debunk. Also, that um, astrology itself is much more, in my mind, a mythic art language than a science. So I want to clear that up too, because yeah. we don't have enough scientific data and research on astrology, because guess why? Who's going to fund that? You know, it's pretty, <laughs> but we do have some good studies, but it's, it's more empirical. I've, you know, done probably 10,000 readings, maybe more. The reason I got into it is I went to Alvina Manning. She knew me better than anyone in my life in one hour. She helped me see things that have been true for my whole life. And I didn't know her. So that was a felt experience, just like love is. Nobody can mm -hmm. say, oh, I've scientifically proven, Gina, you're in love with your husband. You know, you experience. Yeah. And so I am an empiricist. I've experienced thousands of reading where people feel safe, seen, and celebrated in a way they haven't been understood before. And I think that's much more the point than in my mind, the patriarchy's always trying to define, measure, and quantify what the divine feminine has always known. Mm -hmm. So I'm just gonna say that. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, 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 will, I will say this, like I you know, recently had my first reading with you and I have had other readings, but there was a, like I, I will say, I like, already told my best friend, I was like, girl, you need to meet her. And the reason was because you didn't read me, like you said, in a way that was like, I know about you, but it was like, hey, this is what I'm seeing, but I'm going to be very blunt. Yeah. And there was, a, there was a respect in that. So one, just as in your work, I appreciate that. But then also in the fact that it didn't seem like, like you said, that this is something where I'm, if I work with you for two years, six years, five days, it's not because I'm dependent. It's more because of understanding myself. Yeah. Um, but I will, I will ask this without asking you to um, divulge too much about your book, because I know that your book has a lot of information. Sure, sure, yeah. Is there an easy way, not an easy way, but is there a way you can explain even the, the main three, like the, the ones that um, are becoming the most popular other sure. than- Sure, I, I can do all of them pretty briefly and then we can relax because they're, it's beautiful to actually hear about the archetypes or the symbols mm -hmm. of each planet because they relate to every human being and that's the thing I love. So the sun sign talks about basic identity, I am. The moon is our non-negotiable needs, what we need to be nurtured and our typical style of nurturing other people. Mercury is the way we listen, communicate, and connect ideas. Venus is our relationship values and how we attract and what we're attracted to. Mars is how we get things done. So that's the energy we all need. And I want to talk about that later, the Mars that we're yes. in now till January. Jupiter is our capacity for abundance and expansiveness and also seeking meaning. We all have, on some level, a desire to understand why we're here. That's Jupiter. Saturn is about discipline and karma and structure. Uranus is about originality, rebellion, change. Neptune is about the collective dream, the oneness. And Pluto is about death and rebirth and our relationship with power. And finally, Chiron, which I work with, is the wounded healer. In what way have we each been profoundly wounded that we can't heal ourselves? But as we get help from others, we become also healers to other people as we learn. So those are the main symbols and archetypes in a basic chart reading. And then the profound part, which you have to study for a long time, is you need to know that's the inner committee. How are they in relationship to one another? So for example, can I use you for an example, Gina? Yeah, of course. Okay, so Gina's an Aries, which as her sun sign means she's a warrior and she's fierce and she's extremely tough, you know, and true. Her moon sign is in Capricorn 
and that's your in non-negotiable need. So even though she's put out there in the world like this goddess of power and fire, her need internally is to be respected, to be approved of, and to have things be very practical. Well, that sun and that moon are not alike each other. So you have to constantly work the tension between an impulse fiery nature and a very duty bound obligatory nature that's trying to like really be legitimate and respected and all of that. So you see, there's so much complexity in this. Now My it makes terrible sense. Yeah. <laughs> you work with her. <laughs> She's like, you pretty much nailed it. Which is, and it's so interesting because, um, you know, going into even like the elements of those, like she's fire and earth. Yes. Um, and what I even try to explain it to people on that, like we all understand elements, right? We learn that in school. So I yeah. go, you can understand elements that you can understand even just basic things. Like I try to do it slowly with people. I go, so fire, if you're an Aries, just know that Aries is one of the three fire signs, right? Yeah. Where mine... Um, those same two, the moon and the and the sun, are both water signs. So I, I try to explain, and I tell people that. That's right, Kat. Both <laughs> water signs. <laughs> I just, um, when we, but when we think about like those things and you try to even explain it to people, they're still non-believers, right? Not people who are Sometimes not even non-believers, because I don't like using the word non-believer, but sometimes it's like just hell-bent on like questioning and 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 trying to debunk you almost. Or like, completely dismissive, like, you know, if you have somebody who's super religious and dismissive of everything other yeah. than the religion they serve, then they'll just be dismissive of it as uh, evil or the devil, and you'll yeah. hear that all the time from like super yeah. religious people. And I think I get annoyed at that kind of... Um, willingness to just shut down and not understand yeah I'm like, well i think ignorance is um contagious and mm -hmm. also uh not very open to change so if we are any of us committed to our ignorance and shutting out new information our lives become very limited that's absolutely true. I totally believe that. I did have a question about, you said you had readings before. Did you yourself ever have a bad reading and did you know it was a bad reading? Oh yeah, horrible. I've had many horrible readings. How do you know I, it's a bad reading? Well, one is the person just talks at me the whole time and doesn't care anything about what I feel about anything. I've had that one. I've had the reading where somebody's trying to impress me with everything they've ever learned about astrology and not any of it's really landing with me. Mm -hmm. uh, I've trained people in the course of training people when they're first starting out and they're giving readings. Uh, some people are very opinionated and very bombastic, like, you know, that's yeah. not a good reading. Uh, oh, I can tell you one, two, two things that happened to me when I was in my 20s. One, because of my chart. One teacher said to me, you'll never be in a committed relationship. That was one. Two, another person said to me, and you will never go to graduate school. Now, I know what they were looking at in my chart, and Kat, I could tell you one day, but in both I cases, already. they were- I, played, I, I had an assumption on it. Okay, you want to check it out? Um, well, based off of what you told me about your main three, I had an assumption what they were looking at in that. Okay, say, let's see you, let's see your-, your uh, I, think, I think because um, Aquarius is seen as very- um, uh, non-emotional and so it can be very dis detached that's the committed part the like relationship and yeah. then Sagittarius because yeah. Sagittarius can be very flighty and almost flaky in like the when people talk about the negative traits the grad yeah. school thing is about the lack of commitment in that but I, I think they were overlooking the Taurus and the groundedness of what Taurus can be. Well let me tell you just so you'll keep learning <laughs> I have a uh, Sun Venus and Aquarius opposite Uranus that's why they thought I'd never be committed and I've been with my partner almost 24 years. And then the second one about in grad face. school. Huh? In your face person that said that. That's right. No, I, but part of me being a rebel, and Kat's going to relate to this because that's her chart is a real rebellious chart, is when somebody says to me, you won't be able to do this, I'm like, you wait and see. <laughs> so, you know. Anyway, and the grad school one, Kat, is I have Pluto in the ninth house in Virgo. 
And technically in the old style astrology, you would say you can't kind of submit to other people's learning. But I was a great grad school student and wasn't an issue for me because I love learning as we all yeah. do. Right. But anyway, people have said really bad things. I've had clients come in and say, oh, this astrologer said I could never have a kid, or this astrologer says I've got to get divorced, or this one says oh I'm going to have a house. It's like, what, what is the point of that? Any, any consultation for me that's not empowering and growth-oriented is a misuse of power. Yeah. None of us need more information about how we won't be able to accomplish something especially the three of us as women and in oppressed groups. All I want to do is say to the women, everyone listening and the men, but particularly the women, you can do and be anything you want. You just need a ton of allies and you need to never give up. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I support that message 100%. How <laughs> often does somebody need to, or how often should somebody get a reading if they're interested in getting readings? Well, my, my particular way of doing it is not like everyone else, but I usually say I won't talk to somebody maybe once a year, at the most once every six months. Now, what I started doing since I became really popular is I made a very small group for very elite people because it's expensive, and I talk to them once a month, but it's much more coaching and not all astrology. But that helps me pay for some other things like pro bono work or whatever. But my over all my years, I've just said, don't see me for another six months or year. Live your life. You know, I want people to trust in themselves and live their life and not live by something external telling them who they are. You know what I find very interesting? A lot of people don't realize that historically, a lot of um, like people in power actually had like consultations, astrology-based for big decisions that they made. Like I think, and I'm not talking in modern times only, just historically, if you look into it, there are kings and different like people who are, were in real big power that astrology wasn't look, was looked at as a, a form of guidance. And some decisions were made based off of it. And like, that's not even common knowledge. Well, one thing that people don't always realize, too, is that astrology has been a major part of every single indigenous culture, mm -hmm. because you have to remember that before modern time and electricity, all we had was the luminaries, and everybody was really aware of the movement of the planets in the sky, and everybody was really trying to figure out the meaning of that. In fact, in the Latin, you know, to decode the Bible, the magi, the people that foresaw Jesus were astrologers. The, the actual interpretation is astrologers. So what happened is through time, um, certain people in religious institutions weren't happy that people were feeling very connected to their divine knowing without the intermediary of the um, men in power. So then in the dark ages, they made astrology a sinful thing so that they could be the ones that knew instead of the people having their own knowing of the divine, they wanted to be the ones that told them what divine was. Mm. So that's how it shifted. But it's been part of our history. Every single human on this planet comes from a culture that studied astrology. Wow. The more that's you know, people. <laughs> I mean, and that's, that kind of goes into, um, so something Gina and I have talked about in regards to like um, people who are religious, you know, so people like from like a Christian faith, like have you ever encountered a debate or pushback from religious believers? Like, you know, for instance, Christians um, think that it is more of like cult-like and that the symbols are associated with cult symbols, like anything like that. And I mean, you just explained where that comes from, right? Like why that is so, but have you in your time, um, just over the last few years, have you come across anything like that? Interesting you should ask that, because I've had a lot of people say a lot of bad things to me, but I do really well with religious people, because I very much honor mm. religious faith in, in any of its forms. And I remember when Alvina read my chart way back when she went, too bad for you, there's no religion you're going to be able to deal with but you're very spiritual. Mm -hmm. But what happens is a lot of people secretly come to me that are Christians that aren't telling their friends because maybe they'd be judged at church. I swear this happens yeah. all the time. 
The other thing is the nonprofit I co-founded works primarily with Latina and Latino youth because that's a huge population in Santa Barbara. And they always want to discuss astrology, but I also know that in some of their homes that would not be permitted. So mm -hmm. I like to talk about it as a symbol system and not a religious system and not a spiritual system, like personality profile, like Gina's yeah. talking about. And for some reason, and I think I'm just very lucky, I've never had anybody be mean to me about it because maybe it's the way I have such a deep respect for people that have religious faith because it serves them. I think that's a good attitude to go in there with it because most people would go immediately on the defensive when they know they're meat. I mean, I just know some people that are so very, um, they've had bad experiences with religious people and religion in general. And so their immediate thing is to judge the person on the other side of the conversation. But I think if you go in it with this reverence and this understanding that you have a love and a passion that is equal to their love and their passion for what they believe in and going in it with that like i mean you are blessed to never have had somebody you know just go off where it's like people i haven't and, and in fact and again this is a little secret i'm now telling you all i've helped at least 10 people get back to church wow. because in their charts you can see it in people's charts actually you need to be in church yeah. and it's going to help you regulate some of the anxieties you're having or pessimism you're having. And I actually can tell in a chart, like at, this is a really good route for you. So why did you drop off and what's wrong with it? And sometimes they have to adjust to the kind of church they were in, but uh, church can be an extraordinarily important experience in people's lives or temple or yeah. mosque or whatever. Uh, that's important. Now, one thing that informed me too is I was very lucky. I made some money doing some commercials when I was young. I did a McDonald's commercial. I did whatever commercial. So then I got to travel and I went traveling uh, when I was in high school and then a little bit after that. And you would not believe this, but most of the old churches in Europe have astrology in their uh, stained glass. That's how deep it's really part of the whole thing without people knowing it. Beautiful zodiac, beautiful planetary symbols in most of the churches that are old that I went to. Wow, that's incredible. Well, what's even more incredible is that you don't hear about it ever. <laughs> I've been to three different types of churches and I've never heard anything about that whatsoever. But there's a lot of things I think um, that are, are hidden from the congregation in a sense and I can understand that based on power and how it works in religion um, and I have a very positive view of religion I, I would call myself a person of faith uh, I would call myself a person of faith over a religious person because I don't think I'm religious because I think I see the congregation as something completely different you know um, congregating as one is a beautiful thing but it's also very controlled and it's also you know there are certain rules, but definitely a person of faith, which is why I think I'm open to stuff like astrology and I'm open to other things because I'm like, yeah, I don't think any of us have the actual answer, you guys. <laughs> like nobody actually knows. So let's just explore everything that we possibly can. Yeah. A great psychology professor of mine, Lionel Corbett, brilliant man. He said in my uh, PhD training, all theories all theories are a defense against, uh, against the unknown. Mm -hmm. All theories. You know, basically, it's like what you're saying, Gina. Nobody's got the answer. If anyone really had the answer, we'd all be just beamed up immediately. Yeah. We're all seeking. We're all searching. Some people have uh, a really strong conviction that's helping them get through. But I'm the type of person, I want to ease human suffering, my own and other people. Give me every tool possible. That's yeah. really what I'm committed to. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, I definitely, I feel like in this moment when Gina said I'm a person of faith, I was like, what person of what am I? Right. <laughs> I think that if I was to answer that, I would be, um, I'm a person of understanding, which just means in every aspect I have, I, I have the ability to try to understand and I will do that. So that's why I'm very fortunate in the sense that my, I came into my mother's life at a time where she was going to literally every every church like she was studying all of them and she would take us with her right so I kind of got like little bits of everything and so I think that kind of just informed me on like the similarities the differences what I didn't like what I did like while she was figuring out her thing 
And so it makes sense why I would be a person of understanding and astrology to me, not being a religion is something that I've never just questioned. I've just kind of like, I can see that. Like I can see where this benefits me, but I, did have a question, something that was very interesting I thought about recently, astrology and philosophy, mm -hmm. right? Like philosophy as a, as a whole, the theory of, um, of everything. And how do you, have you seen that in the practice of astrology? Like I, I just, as I'm learning, I'm just curious, like if that's been something that you know of. You are so ahead of yourself. I'm gonna tell you the best tip I could give you as a student. My most formative teacher is a man named Rick Tarnas, and he wrote the most important book, in my opinion, on astrology. It's called Cosmos and Psyche. He also started a program that's constantly full in San Francisco called the Philosophy of Cos Cosmology and Consciousness. And it, and it is really about all of this, and astrology is a major piece that he teaches with his colleagues. And so, yes, it really lines up well with the study and understanding of everything, because I can promise you one thing, you can spend a lifetime studying astrology and you're really studying the history of humankind. There's no end to the learning. I'm 40 years in, truthfully, I'm 62, and I am still baffled by how much I don't know. And it, you read that book, Cosmos and Psyche, and you will be blown away. He, he's, he's a genius, number one. He's a historian, number two. Uh, and he's a Pisces. He's a beautiful soul, like one of the best souls I've ever met. And I just want you to read it because you'll get the whole thing because that's his mm. passion. He also, wrote, he also wrote a best-selling scholarly book called The Passion of the Western Mind, chronicling the history of Western philosophy. Wow. So he's got both. He's a genius, but he taught me and I'm nowhere near him. So, you know, kudos to him, but I, I continue to learn from him. And he wow. is involved in this um, MA and PhD in San Francisco and it's a distance learning cat. Try to get a scholarship. I will, I because I'm definitely, these are just things that I'm like, the more you understand yourself and others, the, it's, it's life, I think that stress and all that is literally about not understanding, right? Or living somewhere stuck. And so for me, the more I get it, it's the reason why I ask people like for their birth time, because I'm like, if I really care about getting to know you, I need to know how to talk to you. I need to know how to understand you. I need to know how to approach you. And you might not even be able to tell me that, but I don't want to make assumptions. So I'll make an investment. I wonder, um, I've, I'm sure you've heard of these apps. Have you heard of the app CoStar and the pattern? Yeah. What so is your I, feeling on stuff yeah. like that? I, I'm a consultant on CoStar. Hey. I have, I've helped them over time and I know the owner and the developer and all of that. And they're in New York, as you might know. That's amazing. I haven't, I haven't ever met the staff, but I consult with them. Because people sometimes have negative like things to say about CoStar in like relation to it having actual like validity. So to know that is like awesome. Well, yeah. hold on. I'm going to give you a disclaimer. I'm not a big app fan. Uh, I, I want to help CoStar because when, when I talked to the originator of it, we had something very much in common, which is using astrology to connect people instead of navel gazing, like what you always want to do, both of you. <laughs> so I wanted to really help with that project. My experience, other than introducing people to astrology, is that a lot of the apps spit out formulas that for my take are not very nuanced and are often not very correct in terms of what's possible. Again, sometimes really emphasizing the negative as a kind mm -hmm. of sensational way to get people's attention instead of what I like to do is here's what's possible. So can I use you as an example, Kat? Okay, so Kat has something called a transit right now, Saturn square the moon that we talked about will be for 2020. That's one of the most difficult transits ever, anyone ever goes through because it means that you're working deeply on emotional issues having to do with authority, mother, feeling trapped, feeling constrained, and needing, in a sense, to find your ultimate 
voice for what you need and want to go forward in life and be absolutely the captain of your ship. Well, you might get from CoStar or the pattern, a little blurb that just says to you, Saturn square the moon, trouble ahead, da, da, da. and I feel like, ugh, you know, doesn't do much for me. So I, again, yes, I consult. Yes, they have a great value to people, but there's nothing for me that replaces the art, and it is an art of putting these things together instead of spitting them out as little data bits. Nothing replaces the human art, in my opinion. Mm. That's very interesting. I was curious about how you felt about it. Have you seen the pattern? I don't know how the pattern yeah. in uh, everything is, I mean, it's pretty much all based on astrology, correct? It is, it's totally based on astrology. And I think it's very well written. Uh -huh. I have a lot of respect for the people that put these things together. I mean, they are, so forward thinking, they are so in the digital universe of providing education. So I have a lot of respect, lots, yeah. But you should dig deeper than just the little blurb well, you get. About. I think, yes, use those things, but don't take anything that objectifies you into some kind of reduced little parameter. Go deeper, get wider, find out all the different ways that you can grow and learn through whatever the particular time you're in. Yeah. yeah, something I love that you said during our session when you were discussing, you know, everything that's going on with Mars. And yes. you were telling me, you were going in, in depth and telling me, like, some people would say this, yeah. but <laughs> I'm yeah. going to tell you the whole story, which is what yeah. I appreciated is that you went into depth about what those planets aligning means. Yes. And you well, did. We are. I, I do want to say to your followers. Mm hmm. We just entered Mars and Aries. Normally, Mars goes through a sign for 60 days, but in this particular time, because it goes retrograde and then forward, we're in Mars and Aries from now till January. So I really want to tell you what that means for all of us in this pandemic uh, of both undoing racism and also the pandemic of the illnesses. People are in the mood to fight, and people are in the mood to be mean. And we all, those of us that care so much about the future and social justice and wellness, have to do everything in our power to have fruitful conversations, conversations and actions that encourage people to join in empathy. Because Mars and Aries, if you don't use it well, it's just about the fight for fighting's sake. And I also want to give the metaphor I've been telling people. Sisyphus is a story in which the guy's pushing the rock up the hill and it keeps falling down because as he gets higher, the rock's heavier and heavier and then it pushes him back down and he never can push the rock up the hill. Mars and Aries, if we use it well, is all of us pushing the freaking rock up the hill. And as it gets heavier and heavier, more hands join in so that we all carry the weight together. And I was just thinking today as I was walking downtown wearing my mask, you know, the whole thing, um, people not wearing masks. And I was going, liberty for all people. You know, we got to remember this, this promise of this place that we all lived is not having anybody on the sidelines, not having anybody harmed because I got what I needed. It's a very important time, this Mars and Aries. I feel so passionate about it. Because what we can do is epic. And what we might not do out of just being immature is also scary. Yeah, absolutely. Um, one more question before we go into our, you know, our Dear Gina, which is the advice portion of the show where somebody writes in. Okay. Uh, there was something that me and Kat were talking about earlier about how people will use their sun sign mainly to excuse crappy behavior like somebody will do something and go, well, I'm a Scorpio. What do you expect? <laughs> um, what's your feeling on that? And how do you correct that behavior? I'm sure you've heard people do it. Yeah. Well, I've heard people both excuse their behavior. I've heard people blame people for their behavior based on their sun signs. You know, we all just have our tricks for being defensive and not taking accountability for ourselves. Mm -hmm. And I think we only help people by laughing and instead of confronting, because they're already obviously feeling defensive. So if I say, well, I couldn't help it, I'm an Aquarius. So, you know, then you might just say to me, 
just break that down for me how that works you know yeah yeah how does that you know, work you've got to be more curious and humorous than that's bullshit you know so, yeah because a yeah. lot of people would be like oh that's you're just a jerk like stop yeah, making but tell me more about that like i always think it's best when somebody's misbehaving to be to be actually interested in how they work that out to excuse a bad behavior mm -hmm. because once you kind of listen to them about how they worked it out there's always a little opening where they might say yeah i was a jerk you know and then you can i would be so embarrassed if i said that in front of someone like you and then you were like how does that work for you and then i broke it down for an actor <laughs> like an idiot and i just yeah. said my basic bitch knowledge of what i knew and you were just like, and you're just like okay all right there you go there you go <laughs> there you go with that stuff yeah. So uh, I will uh, th throw out our dear Gina for you today. Um, all right. So dear Gina, do you believe that people are inherently good or do they have to be taught to be? Um, and we'll all take a stab at this question. Um, I'll start off. Man, that is a really good question. I think at some point um, I want to believe that everybody's inherently good. There's a part of me that wants to believe that everybody is inherently good and well-meaning and that it's the different traumas that we experience that really control the narrative as to whether or not we stay good. Um, we've all experienced trauma. Life itself is traumatic um, and there's no comparative suffering. I wouldn't say your trauma is worse than my trauma or whatever. Whatever trauma you experience will dictate the narrative of whether or not you feel like still being a good person because a lot of people take trauma and it turns into this reason that it's okay to be negative. It turns into this like, okay, well, this happened to me. So now I get to punish the world for everything that happened to me. And that's really sad when that happens. And then usually a person like that later on in life will try to either redeem themselves or make some giant life change so that they can get back to being a good person. And I've met people like that who are, you know, their reputation precedes them for being nasty individuals. And later on in life, they want to change because they realize that it was always in their control, whether or not they stayed good. So my take on it is it, if, if I could simplify it is, yes, I believe that people are inherently good, but I do not believe they all stay that way. I believe at birth, we, we don't have a bad intention. I've never met an, an evil baby and was like, this baby clearly has a problem with the world. <laughs> no, I think as you go, then again, I haven't met my son yet. Uh, <laughs> so we'll see how that works out. But I think, yeah, I think inherently we are good people, but it's what we experience in life that really controls that narrative. So I will pass it over to Kat, you want to take it or Jen? Jen, do you want to take it? Well, I just completely agree with Gina, and it's very important to remember that we all have a responsibility to get the help that we need because unprocessed pain becomes pain we act out on ourselves or others. And I think one of the unfair things that we have all got to keep in mind is not everyone has access to the mental health care that they need. And so it's our responsibility, all of us, to make sure in this revolution that we're all gonna be a part of, that everybody that needs this kind of trauma reprocessing has access to it because then everyone has a fair shake at becoming a good human being. Mm -hmm. That's absolutely true. Cat, take it away, Cat. <laughs> um, I am changing the way I, I feel about the words good and bad. So I'm not even gonna use the word good. I think we're all inherently positive like as babies, you know what I mean? Because of, of curiosity and wanting to learn and explore the world and that's what babies are, right? Like they're like just taking everything in. So I do think that babies are inherently positive, but I also think that depends on how they were developed in the womb. So if they were in a bad environment while they were being developed, unfortunately that baby's holding negative energy, right? And that's not their fault. So I do think that it, we have to even go deeper into like, what was the psyche of the mom? What was happening inside? So I'm going to go negative and positive. I think that I would like to believe that people are inherently, inherently positive if they had a, you know, a, a calm and happy, good growing. But um, life is what inputs those negativities and, and experiences. And like you said, in unpacking that and, and starting to learn and, un, you know, unlearn, then you can maybe start having a little bit more of that positivity, understanding it, 
but as an adult and knowing how to deal with it um, in general. So I don't want to say good and bad. I do think that I like to hope that people are inherently positive. Yeah, I like that a lot, Kat, because there was, a, I remember I watched this, um, there's a, a, a guru who literally calls himself a guru. His name is Sad Guru. And he, he's an Indian guy, very insightful. And I was watching this video he did once on good and bad. And it's funny that you say you're changing the words good and bad because uh, he was like, there is no good and bad. We both teeter on both, all of us teeter on both sides. We are both, all of us are both good and bad. We have moments where we're amazing human beings who are up for sainthood. And then we have moments where we're complete douchebags who were selfish and thoughtless and were human and fallible and screwed up. So to define things as good or bad isn't fair on a human level because we really are teetering on the sides. But I like the idea of positive and negative. It has a different, way different connotation than good and bad, which seems almost like, um, like a sentence, like you're either good or you're bad. Like yeah. I sentence you to being a bad person for the rest of your life versus positive or negative, which, you know, that can always change. That seems more likely to change than good and bad because they're such definite things. We define people by those terms way too much. So right. that's a good way to look at it. I like it, positive and negative. And I think you are right about in the womb, which means my baby's gonna be awesome. Because <laughs> this pregnancy's been amazing. Um, that said, Because <laughs> all we're doing while he's in the womb is podcasting. Yeah. So <laughs> he is going to talk. <laughs> Between the fact that his father talks and between the fact that all I've been doing is podcasting, I know this baby gonna be talkative as hell. I already know. I can I'm feel so it. happy for you, Gina, and the world that we're gonna have your baby coming along. Oh, really thank you happy. so much. He's been amazing so far. I told him I just did my maternity shoot the other day and I said, okay, now you can come anytime you want. The shoot's done. Feel free, come early. I don't, we're good, we're ready. I just wanted to get the pictures done. Now that they're done, you don't have to stick to that date that they gave us. <laughs> like, you can come any moment now. I'd be good. Um, I'll probably live stream it. Uh, <laughs> I'll have to. So before we, uh, as we wrap up, um, Jen, tell people where they can find you. Where can they find your book? How can they get in touch with you if they want a reading? Blah, 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 blah. Okay, the best way to find me, the easiest, is jenniferfreed.com because that will lead you to everything me. Uh, the book, Use Your Planets Wisely, is anywhere you look for it. It's very easy to find. I hope everybody will find it. Uh, I really like people to write me and tell me what's going on. And my schedule's full. However, I still want to hear from people and see what I can do and how I can be of help. And sometimes I can and sometimes I can't. The other way to follow my work is I'm the chief content officer of AHA, which is the nonprofit. And that's at ahasb.org. And we work with over 35,000 teen, 35, teens, educators, and families. And we're very committed to a world of equity and social and emotional development. And so I want people to check that out too, because that's a passion of mine that the young people get all the benefits that they need to become truly worldly people with worldly hearts really important that's my deal i love that all right well, Catherine, tell the people where they can find you um simple it's Catherine g mendoza on instagram and tiktok and then on twitter it's kathy k-a-t-h-i-e grace g-r-a-c-e two four yes uh for me you guys know you can find me at g brion on Instagram, uh, everything else is Gina Brion. The website is ginabrion.com or .net because <laughs> fallen. And <laughs> you guys can check out my HBO special, uh, Easily Offended. I forgot the name of my HBO special just now. This Pregnancy Brain. Um, yeah, Easily Offended on HBO. You can watch my latest hour special on Amazon called The Floor is Lava, uh, which is my latest baby that's out now. Um, Not the show. Not the Netflix show. Okay, look. There's a show on Netflix called The Floor is Lava, and it has nothing to do with my special, although they were very kind to reach out and offer to send me merch from the, from the show. So I appreciate I do appreciate them. There's no hate or no shade there. 
uh, although it's kind of a coincidence, Netflix, just saying. Uh, but you can check me out on Amazon Prime. Uh, the Floor is Lava. My first special ever is actually also on there called Pacifically Speaking. So if you're a fan of Pacifically Speaking and you've been like, oh my God, where can I watch it? You can now watch that on Amazon Prime. Um, you guys know that I love to end the show with a piece of advice that my mom always gives me. To this day, she gives me this advice. When life throws a lot at you, handle it one catastrophe at a time. So everybody, one catastrophe at a time. Jen, I can't thank you enough for being on today. Thank you so much for sharing your brilliance with us and being on. Yeah. Well, I'm a huge fan of both of yours, and I feel very honored to share the time with you. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much, Jen. We'll see you again soon. Guys, hit her up. Definitely hit her up for a reading. That was awesome. Bye-bye. Bye, everybody. Bye.